0: All right, welcome everyone back to Dissecting Popular IT Nerds. Today we have Bill Genovese on the show. And uh interesting subjects today. Very, very uh excited to have you on the show. First of all, Bill, so thank you. And you have been in China for the last four years of your life on a working a pretty significant contract. Why don't we just you know, why don't we just start there? Um, where were you in China? Because this is, uh, you know, especially with COVID and everything going on, this is, I, I have a feeling there might be a story here or two. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So where were you in China?
1: I was in Shenzhen, China, which is probably the the largest southern-based city in in uh, China, right on the border of mainland China and Hong Kong. A population of about 14, 15 million people.
0: And the China is interesting because I have a lot of manufacturers in China and various different um, IT leaders that I work with and the question is always like how do I get around the Chinese firewall because every now and then uh, the, the Chinese government goes into I don't know their, their Congress their form of Congress whatever it is and I, and I lost all my my VPN connections so how can I get around this and make sure that you know we, we can do this safely and it usually has it usually has some the, the solution um, typically, is a data center on my, on mainland China that is owned forty nine percent by uh, you know some cloud company in the United States and or Israel, and we've got a connection to Hong Kong, so we go from mainland China to Hong Kong and then we ride whatever network back to the United States. Anyways, just a little side piece here. But uh, you worked for um, uh, Huawei, which is really spelled completely different right? Uh, with an H. But uh, what, what were you um, kind of, uh, what were you doing over there? What were you contracted for?
1: Yeah, I was um, working in the corporate strategy group and I was vice president of corporate strategy for global banking and financial markets. That industry vertical at the corporate level across four divisions.
0: And what does that really mean though from them? Because they're, they're mainly a telecom company, you know, some from, from like a tech nerdy you know, position. What were you like? What were these various different divisions like? You know, what what did they basically do?
1: Yeah, I mean, and and Huawei has basically four divisions. They have a consumer, and they're really not like unlike any other company in the world in terms of the breadth and the and the ground that they cover. So they have four divisions: a consumer division which very much maps in a similar fashion, you could say to Apple or Samsung. So they make smart devices, smartphones, watches, laptops, um, you know, Fitbit type uh, health monitors. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have a cloud division, which is the newest division. So they have uh, public cloud in China, Singapore, Hong Kong, and Johannesburg, South Africa. Huawei also builds public clouds, the gear, for major telcos. So orange business services, that's all Huawei technology behind that cloud. So if a customer uh. contracts and hosts with orange Telefonica, or Deutsche telecom open telecom cloud in Europe and some other countries, that's Huawei gear. Okay. That, mm. That's, but commercially those telcos provide the hosting. Um, but they also own. They also provide their own public cloud in those countries. Huawei that I that I mentioned. Uh, the other divisions are enterprise business group that works in seven industry verticals, uh, and they sell infrastructure primarily. So if a bank or a manufacturer or a transportation company, government public sector entity wants to buy servers for compute, storage, or network gear, they would they would work within Huawei enterprise business
0: group. Gotcha. So they're like the, they're like the, basically the, the telco giant Um, one of the, well, they are the telco giant of the world, basically, you know, from manufacturing of devices to general like infrastructure, like physical infrastructure to cloud infrastructure uh, all the way to even, what about termination?
1: Yeah, they do some of that as well, I believe, too, with, with you know through the carrier angle, and that's the last division. So that's the oldest division. That's how Huawei was born. Always with,
0: is the oldest. That the, the, you know <laughs> what I mean. How did we make? How did we make a collect? How did we make calls and you know and terminate phone numbers? For some reason, that's always the old division. We're still trying to get yeah. rid of it.
1: That's how they got their start is yeah. by selling communications gear uh, to to telcos in China. Yeah. So, um, you know, that's, that's how they started in, in the eighties. So, um, you know, they What did you
0: do? What what were you doing from a technology yeah. perspective to say, grow the business? And,
1: well, while we, Yeah. While we had, most
0: people think that way though, to begin with, were you even thinking like, were you brought in to grow the business? Yeah. And it's yeah. interesting because, you know, you weren't just brought in to you mean, you keep the blinky lights on and the servers working and, and, and user supported. Like you were brought in to grow the business from a technology, technology perspective. And how did you do that?
1: Yeah. I mean, while I was attacking that industry vertical, they, I was, they were attracted to me and they brought me in based on my over a decade experience in IBM and financial services. Okay. That was one thing. And then I worked for KPMG before that. And I worked for a number of startups within technology. Uh-huh. Working with financial services, and they they never felt that they were really getting enough market share based on everything that they had under the roof mm. okay, in terms of capability. And the reason mm. was these were individual businesses and PLs that mm. were attacking that industry at different inflection points or different car- target customer segments. You know, consumer finance versus traditional banks versus telcos getting into financial services. It was a vertical play. I came in and I, I kind of pivoted things that made it more horizontal, okay, end-to-end portfolio, okay, in terms of next generation digital services, you know, and connecting, for lack of a better term or a cliche, the real economy, consumer finance, with the market economy, which are the banks and everything in between. Okay, so instead of attacking them separately, okay, and having individual P&Ls, how can we connect the dots? And ironically, what reinforced that and validated that that horizontal pivot was COVID. And the reason-
0: Just to speak in more layman's terms for anyone that might not be understanding any of this. AKA myself. Um, no, <laughs> I do understand it. But the basically, we've got multiple silos, business silos here. And you're, you're uh, for lack of a better terms, I don't want to say consolidating, but unifying. Unifying various different business silos and P&Ls, profit and loss statements, uh, operating costs and everything, kind of bringing it. Is that a correct statement?
1: Well, at at a higher level, at the corporate strategy level, but it's more solution development and architecture and tech. Okay. Each of those P&Ls and divisions, the consumer division, for
0: example... Does this have to apply to to financial services or would this apply to any business, say uh, pharmaceutical manufacturing or anything or healthcare or whatever, logistics? Yeah, it was more dramatic in
1: financial services because I was the only individual at the corporate strategy level in corporate that was tasked to do this for an industry vertical. So you did not have somebody at corporate strategy overseeing manufacturing across the company or public sector, okay? Um, Because those, those industries and how they went to market were pretty much catered to in one of the divisions, which is enterprise business group. But at financial services, each of the divisions was getting a piece of the pie, but it was not coordinated horizontally to get most of the market share or more of the market share that the company can
0: get. So. So we I need a I need an example here. Let's do a um a just give me a, a some sort of example like a very simple simplistic yeah. example for let people me, to understand. Me,
1: yeah. Yeah, so the way that I kind of simplified this is is really based on Maslow's hierarchy of needs which a lot of people are yeah, familiar I like with.
0: that. Yeah, yeah, like the dog and jumping over the box or into the box get fed or whatever. Yeah, gotcha. Well, I mean, you don't have to
1: be a financial guru to understand that we consume financial services really for three basic needs. We got to pay for stuff. Okay. We have to pay for goods, services, so on and so forth. And we need to do it quickly. Okay. COVID reinforced that. We cannot go to a laptop computer necessarily all the time, or we cannot go pay somebody via a paper check, we need to do it from our damn phone, okay? Mm -hmm. It needs to be 24-7 instant, okay? That's number one. If we can't pay for things, we don't have enough money, we need to borrow. We can't jump in our car in COVID and go down to the bank branch and wait five to seven days to get a loan approved or even a day, okay? We need instant credit. We need microfinance. It needs to be done from the edge from the phone, so credit and lending is number two, Number three is is asset protection, uh, and this really covers deposits, savings, investment. So, if we have extra money, what are we going to do with it? Once again, we're not going to make an appointment with a, a broker, okay, and go sit in his office. We want to do things like Robinhood Acorn Stash on an application at no <laughs> fees and invest our money from our phone. Mm-hmm. Okay. Same with insurance.
0: Okay. No fees. Just a complete side note. This is like just dropping like a, this is like dropping a whole nother s- subject bomb into this. But, um, and, and I need your like 15 second uh, opinion on uh, Bitcoin or, or your, your opinion in general on, on blockchain type of like, you know, money. Is this going to help um, like kind of like a global, coin, so to speak, is this going to help speed up this process in the future, do you believe? Or is it a, a load of crap because it's not based on, you know, any type of physical entity or anything other than, you know, I don't know, guys solving math problems?
1: It already has proven its validity. Okay. I mean, and COVID reinforced that. I mean, I'm a I'm a believer in in both the underlying tech blockchain, and I'm also a believer in Bitcoin uh, as well as other digital assets and other digital coins. Okay. and you
0: know the i think from a sustainability piece for or helping you know what you met you mentioned microloans and stuff like that or people maybe in uh, you know some local farmer in Africa who's getting you know killed by some local bank or something like that he might be able to mm-hmm. sell on a global marketplace a lot easier with a kind of unified form of i don't know, paying and receiving mm-hmm. of money yeah. Well, goods not
1: only that, but at the state government level, too, China is China's all in on blockchain and they're all in on the digital r and in terms of a national currency. So they have their own blockchain services network that they're developing. They've actually pumped out their digital r and in terms of what they call red packets. Uh-huh. OK, so these are little envelopes that show up uh, in terms of consumers on their cell phones You open it and it's like, boom, here's 200 RMB. Go spend it at Alibaba or or our local merchant that takes it, a restaurant. We want you to start using the digital currency and pump it through the system. Okay. So, and they're doing this as an alternative to Bitcoin. Okay. Because they kind of see in in some cases, capital fleeing the country with Bitcoin and some of the other non-state sponsored digital currencies. So... It's going to happen, okay? The U.S. is behind the the curve a bit, but I just, you know, I shared, posted an article today that the Boston Fed with MIT is starting to look at a pilot for digital dollar starting in July, okay? So we're going in this direction. The world is going in this direction, okay? To some extent, you may argue, well, we've already kind of been there, you know, with credit cards and electronic funds processing is digital, you know, but the actual... You know, denomination or currencyization has not happened yet. Okay. We're still using paper money, checks, and things of this nature. So,
0: so, so, anyways, pre-COVID, pre COVID, it, pre, it's an interesting dynamic. I'm not, a, I, I usually don't, I don't get into politics. I'm not sharing opinions or anything. This is, a, but it must have been interesting. Um, pre-COVID to COVID to Trump administration, um, all of this stuff working in China during that time. Now you're back in the United States after your contract is up. Where should I begin with this? Why did you work? What's your general, for advice to other IT leaders, people looking to understand, grow in the business technology world more, what would your advice be when it comes to working overseas or globally? Why why did you do that to begin with? What was your, was it just like, hey, this could be exciting. I work overseas and that's cool. And, And is that, was that the initial draw to it? And why, you know, and why would you advise people to do that?
1: Yeah. I mean, well, my, you know, my, my focus in my career has always been enterprise architecture. So not so much specialization in one technology, but going broader and deeper, you know, across the stacks and, and, and down into the different layers of the stacks and industry business models as well. And my advice would be to any IT leader is anybody presents an opportunity for you to go live and work in a foreign country, whether that's patterned very much like the United States in terms of AKA Europe or completely different, you know, uh, Middle East or, or Asia, China, I would recommend jumping at the opportunity, okay, because it exposes you to so many different diverse perspectives from culture and now how things are done in a business environment and how technology is enabled and applied is completely different. So, you know, that, that's that been instrumental in my career, okay, and it's, it's helped me in terms of performance coming back in and out of the United States three or four times throughout the last 15 years. And I always come back in with a wider and deeper perspective, and I'm able to spot things in U.S. environments quicker from a differentiation perspective that I haven't seen before.
0: Okay. Coming back, what do you? Is there any examples that you can give me? There, I'm just curious what you would spot like right away. Would it be our vast amount of money we've spent on infrastructure and lack of maybe? spending in another area or?
1: Yeah, I would say integration, how things kind of tie together and interoperate and how digital, digital transformation can be accelerated. You know, we have more islands of legacy infrastructure silos and data centers. Um, You know, there's exceptions to what I'm saying, of course. Okay. Um, You know, the adoption of open standards, distributed architectures and platforms, uh, you know, at a, a real massive scale level. Okay. We haven't broken out of some of these silos yet based on industry verticals. Um,
0: so, for a business person, maybe listening to this show, which is highly unlikely unless I just send it to them, but like, you know, <laughs> mostly nerds listening to this show, but uh, let's, what, what does that translate for, you know, for a business owner, and the reason why I'm asking this is so that another IT person can explain this to a business owner, why should they care about this? How can coming in and, and, and removing silos and tying things together and integrating and bringing in a better enterprise architecture and being able to analyze it from a much more diverse perspective... What does that mean to the bottom line of the business and growth?
1: I'm glad you said that because there's a quote that I developed and I used in all of my briefings and I still do. And it's really business owner oriented or business oriented in the sense that if you view your business, if you view infrastructure as a commodity and it doesn't matter who you go with and it's just, I need servers, I need storage, I need network gear. Then you should view your business as a commodity because you will get disrupted. Okay, that's the first point. So, tied to that from a business strategy perspective, as an owner, are you going to stay in your lane or are you going to move into other lanes to grow and scale? Okay, so this is the example of Google, Amazon, bigger players moving into other industry verticals that are traditionally not their own and they had no business going into, but they're dominating, and COVID has kind of reinforced that. Okay, so they didn't get there okay by viewing their infrastructure as a commodity and it didn't matter okay you know they went to open standards open open technologies open source and they were able to scale horizontally and integrate and bring other services and acquisitions in and make them a utility okay so that that's a key point
0: <laughs> it's uh yeah i think you just blew it out of the water there and uh just to take a few seconds for anyone out there listening, if you like this type of stuff, if you like this conversation, if you find this to be valuable, the speaking of massive technology disruptors, there are only four really massive major sources of traffic on the, in the digital world. And that is Google, Apple, Amazon, and uh, what am I forgetting? Oh, Facebook, of course. So from a podcast perspective, for me, speaking very selfishly, if you like this podcast, that would mean my traffic comes from Apple, aka iTunes, whatever we call that. Please Google dissecting popular IT nerds and when you see the little um, you know, Apple iTunes whatever pop up because it is going to be the first thing that pops up when you Google it using Google, please click on it, scroll down to the bottom, give me your honest review of the show, please because we need reviews in order for this show to grow. And I really only need about 140 reviews for us to make this into the top 100, maybe top 10 uh, podcasts there. That's uh, me crunching the numbers. Now, moving on. That was very, very useful. If you view infrastructure as a commodity, then you should view your business as a commodity. And are you going to stay uh, in your own lane? So you mentioned some of the big giants out there, Google, et cetera. Do you think they're going to come in and take over? Is the, is the old world of telecom in the United States doomed? I personally happen to think that it's going to get snuffed out by, a Microsoft Teams or you know Google Voice and uh, you know Google coming in and building out their infrastructure. I think some infrastructure stuff will always be there. But what what do you think of the vast worlds of the AT&Ts and the Verizons of the world and all the other little men in between and the Clex and everything? Are, they, are we doomed? Or is there going to be a massive change over the next five years?
1: Yeah, I mean, unless we, you know, I don't want to get into politics either, but unless we kind of open this up in terms of open innovation and it's a very touchy subject. Okay. And we either have to grow organically in terms of capability and tech and innovation to develop technology to, to keep ahead or catch up. Okay. With other countries in the world, or we need to be able to partner very creatively. Okay. And this goes down to our major flagship carriers. Okay. Because we're going to get left behind the eight ball or These, the, the GAFA giants, you know, Google, uh, Apple, so on and so forth are going to start to develop their own. And Facebook's already doing it. There's a, there's a, they're developing their own networking gear. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, there's a very, very, uh, well known. So
0: from a manufacturing standpoint, you're saying?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I Mm -hmm. mean, they're developing white box networking gear. They're plugged into what's called the Open Daylight Project which is all around open source network gear. Okay, so, you know, you're going to start to see more disruptions of the bottlenecks where there were only a handful of providers on a global level making this stuff and everybody else had to kind of line up and buy it from them, you know, but that kind of presents a bottleneck in terms of tech as well. Okay, so, you know, the, the giants are going to look to keep driving open source and open innovation and, you know, Facebook, Google are developing their own data centers, hmm. technology. So, you know, satellite, you know, you know, there was a couple of failed experiments, Google Loon, you know, which was the, the balloon type thing to uh, very high altitude internet distribution using, you know, balloons, weather balloons over emerging markets. But these types of solutions, Starlink from Elon, Elon Musk. Mm. Okay. I mean, you know, there's how many thousands of those up there right now? Uh You know, and I'm a I'm a believer in a company called GSAT, Global Star. Mm -hmm. Okay. They're out of Baton Rouge, I think, Louisiana. And they're doing all kinds of hardware connectivity Mm -hmm. for satellite communications, okay, for internet. Okay. And this is just going to continue.
0: Okay. We're going to be able to get around the latency issue there. Um, I mean, we're still going the speed of light, right? I mean, yeah, we're yeah. just under the speed of light. But I'm just curious with with latency issues and stuff with the satellite. I'm just curious. It's definitely getting better, and it's
1: getting, and it's getting crowded up there too. You know, mm. so you know that's the other thing. So, but I mean, I, I use that as a broad example because you know it's gonna it's going to create a need for innovation pockets like this where you're not going to be kind of ham hocked by the traditional providers anymore. And there's going to be other entrants getting into it, okay? And, you know, the giants in terms of big tech are not going to stop and stay in their lane, okay? They're they're going to move into other areas.
0: So. Mm. You uh, mentioned a rocket ship trajectory earlier, um, and we were talking about it as you worked overseas, but you said if you hadn't worked in Singapore first, when we were, you know, talking earlier, just chit-chatting, you wouldn't have been prepared for China. Which uh, So that, I guess that was just, um, that was just how everything worked out for you. But, you know, you, you for anyone else, they might not go to Singapore first. They might go straight to China or whatever. But what, what was it about Singapore? Well, I mean, just what well, was I it
1: mean, in my, my background has always been kind of at the intersection of heavily regulated industries like banking, financial services, combined with architectural rigor risk and compliance and regulations and security. Okay.
0: And, and just to, again, drop yep. side notes in here, mm-hmm. would that be helpful for companies that are say not regulated to take someone that has worked in a very highly regulated industry and bring them into say an industry that's not as regulated mm-hmm. um, is it, would that be beneficial to them?
1: Well, coming, the, the, the emphasis point is architecture. Okay, if you come up on the architecture engineering side, invariably, regardless of industry, you're going to look to bake in security, okay, at all layers in terms of a discipline, okay, and and, and behavioral thinking, okay. And if I did not go through some of that rigor in the United States and our regulations and then to Europe, okay, and I took that very pedantic approach to things and I went into Singapore. OK, and things moved a little bit quicker because they've 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 kind of solved some of those issues. OK, and and they are a very regulated country. OK, but I kind of assumed that I would have to go through those steps and, you know, very, very, very pedantic and careful before solutions or products got kind of shipped out the door from from design to development to production. OK, mm-hmm. and things just moved a lot quicker. Okay. And that, that kind of held me up a bit. Same, same to a certain extent, you know, the regulations and and security framework in China and Singapore are not the same as Europe or the United States. So you can't go in kind of with that blueprint in your mind thinking you've got to go through all of these steps first before something can be productionalized or implemented. And it's a different set of rules. Okay. And you know, So that's what, that's what I learned. Okay. Hmm. And I I came out of the back end of that. Well, okay. Well, our regulations and our rules are not any more stringent than what goes on in some of these other countries. They're just applied differently. So
0: now when you say applied differently and, uh, patandic, am I pronouncing that right? You know, as a creative writing English major, we've got to do the word of the day and that would necessarily, I, I guess the definition correct would be um, narrowly, narrow, narrowly focused on any particular one thing. Um, and you're saying not to be that way, to be more flexible, I would say more creative, but still be able to apply the same principles to the situation at hand. Yeah. Okay. Um, that's uh fairly mind blowing uh, because I'm sure there's a lot of yeah, I, I guess that would come down to the why is everyone so obsessed with certifications and doing things in a specific way? would you say that that's a uh, would you say that that's a true statement in the United States a lot of IT people are, are obsessed with certifications and following maps and protocols and stuff like this, and are you saying we need to be able to step out of that box
1: no I'm just saying those certifications and, and, and protocols need to be modernized, you know, so they take into account more of the China way of doing things, the Asian country way of doing things. Uh And, you know, this is where government and politics get, get, get in the way of each other. And, you know, the superpowers, you know, not even mentioning Russia too. Okay. And, and, and their protocols and, and compliance, you know, but it's not to say, life's never about absolutes. And there's examples where China, Russia, the West, Other countries, African emerging countries, have kind of gotten to the point with technology protocols where they're open and they're interoperable and they're working together. I'm just saying that, you know, you can't go in with, you know, a menu of 10 certifications that you learned in the West, the United States or Europe and think you know everything. And then you're going to go apply them in China or other Asian countries and say, this is the rule of the law. okay, and you need to adopt to this. You know, you're going to get bounced right out on your, your <laughs> you know, and, and it's more or less, well, that's good, but that's not how we do things in China or or align with the government and, and our protocols and our standards and rules. So uh,
0: for anyone out there um, listening to the show, how can your advice to people listening, how can someone come into a new organization? What kind of questions they need to ask or see? In your opinion, how fast could you go into a new, new organization, say, I don't know, anything like we were talking about earlier, you know, healthcare, uh, pharmaceuticals, logistics, maybe something outside of even the financial industry. Um, how, what, what would you look at and how fast could you make a financial impact? And I mean, impact as far as new revenue coming into the business, how fast could you make an impact and what would you look for?
1: Yeah. I mean, generally for me, you know, the questions I start to look at and analyze is go to market, the business footprint, where they're operating. Okay. Uh, You know, if they have an international presence, what countries they are working in the level of business in each of those locations. Okay. Um, Because any, any strategy that I develop, you know, are they looking to scale further in those those locations or expand further into other markets? Okay, and then I would start to look at you know regulatory compliance and how they're meeting the demands internationally and how friendly outside their home country are those governments and working with them. Um, typically, for me, the number that pops into my mind in terms of me to get traction and really start making an impact. Um, you know, but we're talking at the corporate level across multiple lines of business is anywhere from, I would say, nine to 18 months, maybe upwards of 24 months to get things completely pivoted at the international level and into execution mode. Okay. Because in this context, Phil, in answering that question is, is really more from me coming into an international location as an American and getting my head completely around what's going on, you Mm -hmm. know, from a global perspective. Now, if it's within the U S it's different.
0: Yeah. What if it's us based company just operating within the U S?
1: Yeah. That could be under six months. No question.
0: Really? Okay. And what would you, um, are we looking particularly at, you know, in my head, the one thing that you said that really popped out was meeting demands. Mm -hmm. Are we really looking at, you know, Hey, who are we serving and how are we serving them and how are we going to do it better? Is that you know? Is that the main question?
1: And that is the main question. So I wouldn't even you know, as a CIO, CTO advisor coming in, even maybe to the board, I would want to know what the business strategy is and what are the top three to five strategic imperatives for the business. You know, you know, are you looking to expand? Are you attacking the market? Do you even know who your target customers are? Okay, um, you know, what's your total addressable market? But and service addressable market, but most importantly, what's your SOP? Where do you plan on operating service operational market to get market share? Okay, and a lot of companies can't answer that. You know, they can say, well, we're kind of broadly here in terms of total addressable or even service addressable, but when it gets down to nuts and bolts, where are we planning on operating to get market share? They can't get to that service operational market number. So...
0: Uh, just the fact that you just said all of that is is really uh, very very valuable to anyone out there listening. To be able to go in and, and confidently say in the United States I could make a change within six months, and you know that because you're going to ask what's the business strategy, what are the top, you know, uh, three to five, I guess, what target markets or target customers that you're that you're serving. How are you meeting their demands, and and then you can take that information and apply it to the network to be able to take that information and apply it to the network and improve the network. Um, what What are some of the top, what, are the, what would you say are some of the biggest holes that you've seen kind of the, when I go in, there's always a problem with this or there's a problem with that. What would you say are the top five, areas that we're missing in the network infrastructure. And I know you only have about eight minutes, so we're going to finish with this.
1: Network infrastructure is part of the solution that you're going to have to go execute to solve those business strategy problems. But I like a quote. I'm a big fan of quotes. Okay. And, and, you know, Peter Drucker, everybody knows Peter Drucker Mm -hmm. and one of his famous quotes was, okay. Culture eats strategy for breakfast.
0: Yeah, okay. and, I actually had a, I actually had a podcast named that. <laughs> we did that for. Yeah. And okay. my problem or
1: issue with that is, is if you go into any organization and you're trying to change the strategy or develop a new strategy, and you do not address culture, then you don't have a strategy. Okay, I mean because strategy should not only address breakfast. But lunch and dinner as well, and everything in between, you know so you know you've really got to look at organization and culture as part of your strategy, and is that company set up the right way organizationally? are people getting incented incentivized to change? can they work horizontally across boundaries and silos, or are they getting whipped and saying, this is your p and I don't care what your brother business division is doing you're selling these products these widgets who gives a damn what they're doing even if they're across the aisle that's yeah. broken you know and you know that's broken thinking and if you're a business owner and you're you have four divisions selling four different types of widgets to four different types of customers you're not going to survive you're going to get vertically disrupted
0: <laughs> hey, you don't even know if you should even be a CTO or a CIO. I think you should just be like a business founder and just run the whole joint. Okay, can we just make you like the, you know, just really the next I don't know Tony Robbins or something? Not even that. This. <laughs> um, it has been an absolute pleasure. Very, very, very valuable information. Um, and and I really hope this just just very, very, very valuable. And I'm sure everyone out there listening will think the same. Um, so thank you very very much, and um, for anyone that wants to get a hold of Bill Genovese, please look him up on LinkedIn. Uh, it will his, his contact information will be in the, you know, in the the um, you'll be able to find him very easily in the summary of the show content. So uh, look him up. And uh, you're available. You just got back from China. So your contract's up. So uh, anyone that wants to snatch you up can snatch you up. So I don't think it's going to be cheap, though. Uh, So it's, um, you know, anyone that wants to get a hold of you, you you are available, sir. Uh, Thank you so much for being on the show.
1: No problem. Thanks for having me. It's been an honor and I'm humbled and very much enjoyed the discussion. (laughs)